Welcome to Puritans Read, where we read aloud great Puritan works, authors, and biographies. Today, episode 24 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead. Second, and this has a near relation to the former, it is for lack of a thorough work of grace first wrought in the heart, where this is not all a man's following profession comes to nothing. That scholar is never likely to read well. That will be in his grammar before he is out of his primer. Cloth that is not wrought well in the loom will never wear well nor wear, wear long. It will do little service. That Christian who does not come well off the loom, who does not have a thorough work of grace in his heart, will never wear well. He will shrink in the wetting and never do much service for God. It is not the pruning of a bad tree that will make it bring forth good fruit, but the tree must be made good before the fruit can be good. He who takes up a profession of religion with an unbroken heart will never serve Christ in that profession with his whole heart. If there is not a true change in that man's heart, who yet goes far and does much in the ways of God, to be sure, he will either die a hypocrite or an apostate. In nature, if a man is not well born, but proves to be crooked or misshapen in the birth, He will be crooked as long as he lives. You may bolster or stuff out his clothes to conceal it, but the crookedness, the deformity, remains still. You may hide it, but you cannot help it. It may be covered, but it cannot be cured. So it is in this case. If a man comes to a profession of religion, but is not rightly born, If he is not begotten of God and born of the Spirit, if there is not a thorough work of grace in his heart, all his profession of religion will never mend him. He may be bolstered out by a life of duties, but he will be but a hypocrite at last for lack of a thorough work at first. A form of godliness may cover his crookedness, but will never cure it. A man can never be a true Christian, nor accepted of God, though in the highest profession of religion, without a work of grace in the heart, for there must be an answerableness in the frame of that man's heart who would be accepted of God, to the duties done by him. The spirit and affections within must carry a proportion to his profession without. Prayer without faith, obedience to the law given without fear and holy reverence of the lawgiver, God abhors. Acts of internal worship must answer the duties of external worship. Now, where there is no grace wrought in the heart, there can never be any proportion or 
unanswerableness in the frame of that man's heart to the duties done by him. Those duties that find acceptance with God must be done in sincerity. God does not take our duties by tail, nor judge us according to the frequency of our performances, but according to the sincerity of our hearts in the performance. It is this that commends both the doer and the duty to God. With sincerity, God accepts the least we do. Without sincerity, God rejects the most we do or can do. This is that tempter of spirit which God highly delights in. They that are of a froward heart are an abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in the way are his delight. The apostle gives it a great epithet. He calls it in 2 Corinthians 1.12, the sincerity of God. That is, such a sincerity as is his special work upon the soul, setting the heart right and upright before him in all his ways. This is the crown of all our graces and the commendation of all our duties. Thousands perish and go to hell in the midst of all their performances and duties merely for lack of a little sincerity of heart to God. Now, where there is not a change of state, a work of grace in the heart, There can be no sincerity to God, for that is not an herb that grows in nature's garden. The heart of man is naturally deceitful and desperately wicked, more opposite to sincerity than to anything, as things corrupted carry a greater dissimilitude to what they were than to anything else which they never were. God made man upright. Now man, voluntarily losing this, has become more unlike himself than anything below himself. He is more like a lion, a wolf, a bear, a serpent, a toad, than to a man in innocency. So that is impossible to find sincerity in any soul. There is a work of grace wrought there by the Spirit of God, and hence it is that a man is but almost a Christian when he has done all. Question 5. What is the reason that many go no further in the profession of religion than to be almost Christians? Reason 1. It is because they deceive themselves in the truth of their own condition. They mistake their state and think it good and safe when it is bad and dangerous. A man may look upon himself as a member of Christ, and yet God may look upon him as a vessel of wrath, as a child of God. By looking more upon his sins than his graces, more upon his failings than his faith, more upon indwelling lusts 
than renewing grace, may think his case very bad when yet it is very good. I am black, said the spouse, and yet said Christ, O thou fairest among women. So the sinner, by looking more upon his duties than his sins, may think he sees his name written in the book of life, and yet be, in the account of God, a very reprobate. There is nothing more common than for a man to think himself something when he is nothing, and so he deceives himself. Many a man blesses himself to his interest in Christ when he is indeed a stranger to him. Many a man thinks his sin pardoned when, alas, he is still in the gall of bitterness and bond of iniquity. Many a man thinks he has grace when he has none. There is he, said Solomon, that makes himself rich and yet hath nothing. This was the very temper of Laodicea. Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not, pray mind that, that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Thou knowest not. As bad as she was, she thought her state good. As poor as she was in grace, she thought she was rich. As miserable and naked as she was, yet she thought she had need of nothing. Five grounds for this mistake. Now there are several rises or grounds of this mistake. I will name five to you. Number one, the desperate deceitfulness of the heart of every natural man. The heart is deceitful above all things. The Hebrew word is the same with Jacob's name. He was a supplanter of his brother Esau. He rightly called Jacob, said he, for he hath supplanted me these two times. So the word signifies to be fraudulent, subtle, deceitful, and supplanting. Thus, the heart of every natural man is deceitful above all things. You read of the deceitfulness of the tongue, the deceitfulness of riches, the deceitfulness of beauty, and of the deceitfulness of friends. Yet the heart is deceitful above them all. Nay, you read of the deceitfulness of Satan, yet truly a man's heart is a greater deceiver than he, for he could never deceive a man if his own heart did not deceive him. Now it is from hence that a man presumes upon the goodness of his case from the desperate treachery of his own heart. How common it is for men to boast of the goodness of their hearts. I thank God, though I do not make such a show and pretense as some do, yet I have as good a heart as the best. 
Oh, but here's Solomon in this case. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. Will any wise man commit his money to the cut purse? Will he trust a cheat? It is a good rule. Remember to distrust. And it was Austin's maxim. That man that trusts his own heart shall be sure to find himself deceived at last. This concludes episode 24 of The Almost Christian Discovered by Matthew Mead.